second i gotta look up the uh box office can't be very good uh, yeah <laughs> nobody even knows what the budget was nice could not have been much but all right let's go can't. i mean you can't yeah <laughs> i mean i don't think you could make the, like what would you throw the money into on this one like one of I, the main actors in this film is the director <laughs> like the the budget goes towards the camera that's, that's yeah yeah it goes to it goes to the one camera and then flying to japan <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Those the two things all right welcome everyone to another episode of let's get contextual do you want me i can stop it bye i love you oh, no, i thought you were leaving it's about like 15 minutes okay all right anyway okay we're good <laughs> oh perfect intro yeah, it's real, real good. A little bit I of a live leaking into there. Like <laughs> she leaked into my video, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I recorded that and I'm like, I regret everything, but this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Let's Get Contextual. My name, as always, is Dante. And with me, I have Garrett. And this is the show where we give you context on movies and TV shows and comic books. And today we're going to be talking about a, a little film, like actually a little film. Actually, called, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> Kumiko, The Treasure Hunter from 2014, I think. Um, uh, yeah. It made a, I think it made its premiere or like had a big push at Sundance, the Sundance Festival. Um, sense. And just as a little thing, uh, like we do at the beginning of these, I don't know what the budget is, but as we were saying before, it could not have been much uh, because the gross, the total gross was $623,383. So. Right. And it's got what, like a cast of like 20 people? And, like, Yeah, max. Like yeah. And most of them are extras. Like there are like three people that are like quote unquote main characters. <laughs> I am curious because like it made a pretty penny. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's it, it definitely made more than they spent on it. It had to have, right? Yeah. Well, their crew was quite small because they had a crew like the crew that went to Japan, especially, I think, was like like five Americans max. And then well, see, it was mostly. Sense. Yeah. Well, past that, it was mostly a Japanese crew because oh, they, so they hired people when they got over there. I think so. And they also had Japanese people like working on the film to help it be like more authentic. I can sure. rattle this off right now, but basically um, they would ask their, uh, they did a lot of research to make it authentic to real Tokyo, not tourist Tokyo. And so be to do some of that research, they asked some of the Japanese people that were working on the film about like, you know, are we portraying rural Tokyo as compared to tourist Tokyo, gotcha. you know? So that was a big push of theirs to try to show kind of the mundane Tokyo, I guess. Which I think they did really well, to be honest. But uh, we'll get into that. But yeah, so I think they had like their core American crew. And I'm sure they hired some more people on when they did this stuff in uh, Minnesota. And then they had a couple people that were just in the Japanese. 
Should that make sense? Um, trying to keep, you know, well, obviously they had to keep, they had, they probably had a, a strict budget. There probably oh, yeah. was, there, there wasn't any room for extra work. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was, yeah, there were, um, there was a behind the scenes little clip that I watched of them filming, um, the scene where she tries to let her bunny go at the little pond in the park area. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and they filmed that with one camera. And they like they had to move for each shot and everything like that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it seems like they like they were, It's a they have quite a few shots in that scene, and it's only one camera. And I'm like, you but wow, it's like time consuming, <laughs> especially for an outdoor scene when you need the light to be the same. But they had like a light on set, so I'm sure part of that was involved. But yeah, it was quite a tight crew. And again, the um the guy that plays the police officer in Minnesota is the director. And one of the two I, um, writers, he's one of the two Zellner brothers. Kellner, Zellner, Zellner, that's what David Zellner, yeah. yeah. And his brother was Nathan or something like that. Right. Um, they wrote yeah. it together. They wrote it together. But yeah, so like this was a quite a small cast and, and production, um, which I mean, you kind of have to do when you're making a film festival movie. Yeah, I, I well, you, I mean, you don't have to. There are um, um, big name well, directors and stuff that that have huge um uh well that's because they're big name directors though right but i'm saying like they do um like they also submit to sundance sundance is i mean you're not gonna see hobbs and shaw at sundance but like yeah it's it's almost like a rite of passage or kind of just like a uh what's the word i'm looking for uh it's kind of like a respect thing you know what i mean like you can throw you can throw, um, you know, a winner at Sundance on something that, you know, is complete garbage, but somehow that that like sends it over, you know, like the edge. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That's probably why this made, you know, over half a million. So right, and I don't yeah. think the film's bad. No, I mean, it, um, it's not great. <laughs> it, I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's. I it's, won't. I more than likely won't it. watch it again. Um, yeah, exactly. I th- I think it's interesting. I think well, I think personally, I think the two uh, highlights of the film are the cinematography. I think the cinematography really well done and interesting, mm-hmm. especially now considering that um, they used like very minimal uh, uh, cameras and yeah, they crew. had like one dude that exactly. was the cinematographer and he was on the camera. Like, <laughs> I think a lot of that stuff is um, a, a lot of the shots and the. Um, they're uh what's the word i'm looking for um why do i always blank on words like if you listen <laughs> back to so many podcasts i'm sitting there going um um what is it um <laughs> but they're like the shot composition where i was thinking about uh, their like patience with shots or like their willingness oh, yeah, to yeah, let a time. shot sit yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like they they don't there's not a lot of cuts there's um very minimal movement and i think I think that really it it gives it a unique vision almost. Yeah, yeah. It uh it works in the film's favor a lot of the times, but it also it is a detriment to the film in other ways. And I, I want to get into that here soon. But uh yeah, I think it definitely is like a specific style for this film. I agree. Um, and, and it's that it's that indie style. Like I mean, yeah, exactly. You've seen it before. I mean, if if somebody watches this film and they have heard me say it's that indie style they'll come away and be like yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know what he's talking about yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah um let's get into what we liked about it uh and i don't 
I don't think there are too many things that I disliked, but there are a couple to where I didn't love the film. Um, and, we, and, and if you listen back to a couple episodes, or to the last episode, we were actually quite excited about this film because we, we were. I think be it's because it's quite quirky and like, what? Yeah. what is this? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that I do think it kind of was a little underwhelming, but I think that's purely we overhyped it. <laughs> we overhyped a film that if you look at it initially, it's like, you shouldn't have expected that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think it's, it's general synopsis is just so out there. Um, and I wasn't expecting this kind of film to be a, since for new listeners, for anybody who's not initiated, we are in the middle of a Indiana Jones esque. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, I do want, film thing and uh so we were looking you look for treasure hunting films and obviously this film pops up kumiko the treasure hunter so uh upon reading the synopsis i was instantly hooked i was like what is this gonna be like (laughs) yeah yeah how is this gonna Um, work yeah so i i think one thing that i do quite like is um i do appreciate the view of tokyo that the film has like i was saying the, Mm -hmm. the the film really pushes a non-touristy version of Tokyo, kind of, you know, a non-traditional version of Tokyo. You're not getting the, the big neon city. Um, you're getting yes. kind of like rural, like, you know, lived in everyday Tokyo. And I quite like that. I think, Agreed. I mean, I haven't been there, but I'm assuming they did a good job of portraying it. You know? <laughs> I, like you look at the, the, the city shots and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just buildings and lights and, um, you know, dirty streets and like yeah. subways <laughs> and like, you know, normal seeming housing. You know what I mean? Like the scenes in her apartment are like, it's just that yeah, it's house, quite tight. Right? But I think yeah. that makes sense for, for like Tokyo is like one of the most lived in cities in the world. So it makes sense that everything is quite compact. It's quite, uh, it's quite compact and vertical. Uh, a lot of the city is quite like true. There, there's a. It seems like there are a lot of floors to each of these kind of really compact apartment buildings. Right, um, but it's it's not uh, uh, like a a glamorous Tokyo. It's not. A, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's well. It's not the Hollywood Tokyo that you're used exactly. to. Exactly. It's it's, it's, a, it's a real a, world. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the it's not the it's not the touristy version. Exactly. And I, I they, do like they that. accomplish that very well. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And I I do I think it adds a level of credit that they did film in Japan. Like it, like in Tokyo, they did they they didn't like film it somewhere else and then call it that. They they filmed in Tokyo, right. um, and also that they got the approval of their their crew at least. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and I think they for the most part they they tell the story of this um, this kind of down on her luck Japanese woman quite huh. well. I think. Um, I think so. I I the, think sometimes the pacing gets a little weird. Um, it gets a yeah. little like you know. I mean, it's not a brisk hour 45. Like, oh, no, that is actually not. one of my flaws. We'll, we'll get there, but yeah. Okay, yeah. But like, yeah, I think they tell her story well, and I think um, well enough, like without a lot of exposition and without a lot of actual dialogue. Like, yeah, you, she, it's you a lot of visual it. storytelling. And right, that's, yeah. that's a good, it's a good thing. And I think she, her story, like you understand why, she would be going after this kind of crazy treasure so much, you know, you understand why 
and for anyone that doesn't know this film, we should probably we need to explain this film more to people because people don't know what this is. That's uh, true. <laughs> this is a film where a uh, the description is a jaded Japanese woman finds a VHS tape VHS tape of the 1996 film Fargo. Yeah, 96 Fargo. Uh, yeah, the Coen Brothers film Fargo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They find uh, co- she finds a copy of the film Fargo, and she believes that the money that the guy buries in the in the snow is an actual treasure and so she maps it out and figures out how to get it basically and i think they portray that aspect really well like her the fact that we see so much of her life and she's so kind of downtrodden and she feels stuck and uh i think that that is portrayed very well and uh in a a believable way what just what just fell apart in your house there my dog has decided to play (laughs) at this specific moment (laughs) because he couldn't have gotten his energy out before I had to record a podcast. Of course so. not. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, way- ignore my house falling apart. <laughs> the way they film uh, her in her apartment and eating, you know, like your instant ramen, your cup of noodles, you know, um, her, her rabbit being in the cage at all times, you know, like a cramped studio apartment and her job being, you know, aggravating kind of exactly she's just sitting there and she's you know serving people making basically exactly <laughs> yeah I, lo- I do love the that first scene where she's making the tea for him and she almost spits in the cup and, and, and then she, like she sucks it back up yeah yeah, yeah. i was like okay that's cool. yeah it's quite it's quite good cool. i think um the actress I, f- I don't know her name but i think she she plays the role quite well um, I have it in front of me, but I, I will butcher it. It's like Rinko uh, uh, Kikuchi. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Kai, yeah, yeah. Kaikuchi, Kaikuchai. I, I don't know. I I apologize. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but she does a really good job of playing this character and showing showing her emotions and her feelings without saying anything. You know, in body yeah. language and facial expression, she's very very good at that. Um, honestly. Her performance in this film made me want to see more from her. <laughs> I was kind of like, "You're really good. I want to see." I, like, I agree. Uh, she's she's in actually quite a, a few bigger Hollywood films. Like uh, she's well, she's in Pacific Rim, The Brothers Bloom. If you've seen that one, that one's good. Yeah, she uh, she knocked it out of the park selling that um, you know uh, downtrodden, you know, end of a rope kind of uh, you know. She's just tired of what she's been doing and there's a lot of societal pe- pressure that a side characters put down on her as well make you kind of hear her side of things without her saying anything which is uh it's really well done yeah yeah and i think the yeah again i haven't even talked about the societal pressures there i think those are also portrayed very well mostly like through her not, mother and through and uh, her, boss. her boss yeah yeah i think that that is done really well because they're all telling her like you need to get out of this job. This job is meant for young girls looking for uh, a husband, and you're you're getting into your thirties. Like you need to you basically move on, and she's refusing to move back with her mother. And yeah, so it's a whole thing. I think that's done very very well. I think the side characters are also good. I liked the cop. I liked. I, I do like the um, the officer who helps her once she gets to Minnesota. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really uh, played by the director, and I thought the old woman that helps her out in Minnesota was uh, was pretty good. Yes, uh, I I really enjoyed her character actually. Like, I mean, so like she was a little creepy, but it's yeah, all right. <laughs> she's a little creepy, but she's all like it. 
it does it where it's like I get it. She's kind of abrasively like trying to hold on to Kum- uh, Kumiko while she's there, but like the way she's a like, lonely old woman, she, right? She's lonely. She's you know, um, she's for like forced into um solitary like like her her kids don't talk to her i believe they never actually explicitly i think her husband's i think her husband has passed yeah yeah i think Uh, this i think i think she does say it does she say it or she's like she's like i miss him or something and it's very heavily implying right but anyway um and the way that like once she shows up in minnesota and every care every side character you're introduced to has this hilariously blinded way of trying to relate to her it's so good like very good yeah yeah like i um tries to get like have you ever read shogun like (laughs) oh my god yeah i want to come back to that Uh, but i yeah i want to mention also um the tourist guides were great uh Mm -hmm. those two guys were amazing and then um i think her boss has played really well too Um, almost deadpan and just like yeah you're yeah. you're just like, you're you're not doing so well, Kumiko. Just, like he's just, this ancient, just this 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 ancient Japanese businessman. That's very, right, yeah. right, yeah, he's very he's good. Very, yeah, he's very old fashioned. He's very uh, previous generation. Like you can tell, very yeah, yeah. Uh, well. He's just a typical old man, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. why aren't you engaged? Typical why aren't you? Man. Why don't you have kids? You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I think her—I I, I forgot about it until now—but her friend that yes. she meets is real good. Like, she's very chipper, and like, she's like, she's essentially what Kumiko is supposed to be at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has the, it's like the she's film married, telling you, she has the daughter. Uh, uh, it's a film like subtly telling you this is what Kumiko is supposed to be, and this is why she's sad because exactly. she's not this. And then you get those phone calls from like her mother who illustrate like her expectations of Kumiko, and then like that, ju- you know, like juxtaposed with the friend who is living that life. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, her it's mother very wants. good. It's really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I, I did want to jump back um, to. I noticed there are a bunch of great little moments of comedy in this that I wasn't expecting. I was not expecting at all, but I want to like read through them because it starts very early in the film. I don't know if this first one was intentional, but when Kumiko feeds Bunzo at the very beginning of the film, she like dumps her dumps the food on him and the Uh bunny's eyes go wide. Like (laughs) what the hell is happening? (laughs) And it's like, and it plays into a, a future scene because, like, you can tell that she's out of food and she's just dumping like the remains of the bag into the cave. Yeah. So later she gets food at the at the store. Yeah. Right. And then when uh, when Kumiko tries to steal the book from the library, there's yes. like a full like six seconds before she's pulled back in. Right. Like, so... They're sitting on this shot, and I'm like, why are you holding this so long? <laughs> that's like a theme through this movie. They hold yeah, shots it, it, way too a, long, and then something time. happens. There's definitely a second time where the joke is also made. I I I meant to make a mental note of it, but I can't remember this. The, a similar joke happens where she comes off uh, frame and then has to backtrack, and it's played for laughs and it's really well done. The uh, the library scene though actually made me crack up because you know she runs through that. Uh, uh, the security thing when she's taken off and you're like, oh, she stole the book, you know, she's gone or whatever. And then, like you said, like six seconds later, a security guard's just escorting her back into the library. <laughs> yeah. I love that it takes long enough that the alarm stops. <laughs> and then, but, yeah. But she comes back and starts again. It's well um, done. 
The guard's real good too, by the way. He's. I he's agree. Great. I think there's another part where um the the guard is kind of played for laughs, where they after they have that discussion and she convinces him basically to give him give her uh what page 95 or whatever it was yeah, the yeah. map of uh um of, of minnesota, minnesota. <laughs> yeah and he says something like ah, what is it he's like i can't keep doing this or something like that <laughs> yeah. like when yeah, he's, he's like i can't himself. make a habit of this yeah, yeah exactly yeah really another thing funny. i forgot about this um but i really like that all of the times that they speak japanese it's in japanese i really like that yeah. I, I like that they didn't dub it for us like they made it a film where you could have the complete opposite experience where you could be somebody who knows japanese but doesn't know english and watch the first half of the film and then right. you would sub the second half i quite i quite like that i think i think it's uh it's a it's a good show of like we're making this for both cultures you know exactly yeah absolutely and it's not a poor it's not a poor representation of either of them. Like there's yeah, yeah. There's several times where um, we touched on it just a minute ago, but several times where uh, Americans are almost like the butt of the joke because they're, yeah, yeah. they're dealing with uh, some, but it's very realistic. To like, it is. It is. It's, it's very realistic to like a Midwestern exactly. state. Yeah. Like, like they've never w- gone anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was watching it, I was groaning because it's like, I know I've seen things you know, like in real <laughs> I know life. These people. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is my next door neighbor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh my um, God, that's my grandma. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've experienced this even like, like uh, I lived in a part of Pennsylvania where it was quite rednecky. So it was uh, quite, it was quite rednecky for a northeast state and then i come to michigan and it's even more so so yeah i I understand but yeah and then uh what else is there i thought it was funny like halfway like right when she is trying to let bunzo go that they reveal that she's named him bunzo i thought that was hilarious yeah yeah bunzo oh yeah the actual rabbit is named bunzo like his yeah 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 i did like that Oh, it was real the, good. the scene with Bunzo at the train station, though, that was, you know, I was like, like, what? <laughs> I know. I know. I felt like I, I you know, so, after... so, 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 sorry. But what she does is she leaves. She tries to leave Bunzo in the park just so people are following. She tries to leave Bunzo in the park because she's going to go to America and she can't take him. But he won't go because he's a he's a indoor rabbit. Like what Domesticated is he going to do? Bunny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so she decides to instead take him to the subway station, leave him on the bus and then get out. And he's just on the bus. <laughs> we have no idea what happened. We never, well, we do see him again, but not that one. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, mm. What? I, th- I th- Cause like it gives you a, like you're sitting there with the bunny and you're like, while she's at the park and you're like, Oh no, don't get rid of the bun. You know, like you're like sympathizing yeah, with the rabbit. And then when the bunny doesn't leave, it show it cuts her back to the subway holding Bunzo, and you're like, oh, thought, she changed your mind, you know, like she's I thought gonna hold she was going to the smuggle bunny. him. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then she just leaves him on a subway train. Not, I mean, she had a hard time doing it, but still, like, like he's in the subway. It's not like she's leaving him on the tracks or anything. But right. like, it's still, yeah. quite, like, yeah. I, I don't want that to be funny. misconstrued. She's not killing the rabbit, at least not. <laughs> um i mean that rabbit is probably dead though like i don't think anybody got it i don't think like everybody's so busy in in this world that like i don't think anybody is gonna take care of this random bunny and then 
I like to it's believe gonna... someone came across and said, "What the okay. hell's going on?" Take I have, I have for my own being, I have <laughs> your own to... sanity. Exactly. I have to. I have to know that that somebody picked Bunzo up and gave him a good home. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was that was heart wrenching. Um, so then... she has a whole bag of food at home now. Like, what's she gonna do with that? I mean, she just leaves it. She leaves all her stuff, like all of it. She's just gone. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, at the airport, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a guy who has a kid and he has like a harness around it. And the kid's just like pulling at the like chomping at the bit, like pulling him across the the screen. Oh, I didn't notice that. It was hilarious. It was just for a second. But like it's this it's this little girl in like a pink coat. And this guy, this dad has a harness on her and she's oh, just no. pulling it. And like, 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 like a dog that's trying to get somewhere. And the, <laughs> the dad's just trying to hold her back. It's hilarious. Um, that is good. And then the two tourist guys the are two so tu- funny. Oh, they're so funny. I love like the, <laughs> the, the, the steady shot of the old tourist guy or like, well, the, oh, yeah, they're not tourists. <laughs> what They're uh, like tourist guides, basically like giving out maps and stuff like that. And, as he's unfolding the map and it takes like it, it takes forever. forever. So, so funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> and like the it's other guy like starts helping him right at the end. Like it's, it's really, yeah, good. it was so funny. Yeah. And it was, was, uh, that's a great scene. Honestly, the, that might be my favorite scene in the movie. It was really good. Uh, like the younger tourist who says, um, he like goes on this whole like existential thing like i lost myself once <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and then he, yeah. he likes trying to be a witness to kumiko or whatever and she has no idea what he's saying like yeah and uh he does like, i just want to you know we're supposed to tell you we're not affiliated with the airport and all this yeah. <laughs> that scene is so, really and like I love really that well their done. introduction is hey he's holding a very homemade sign while the other the old guy's playing piano <laughs> like it's just strange. Oh, what? It's so weird. <laughs> Those two guys are um, hilarious. Yeah. That was funny. And then the old the old lady is quite funny. Um she like she talks about her husband being in the Korean War and she's like have you ever been to Korea? Like that's such <laughs> yeah. an American thing to be like right. have you ever have you ever been to the place where we waged war once? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, where we were all, fighting you. <laughs> like, those, yeah, those people kind of look like you. Like, it's like Jesus. Like, <laughs> lady, stop it. <laughs> yeah, and then the Shogun uh, book. <laughs> oh my God! Then the Shogun uh, book. And I love how like Kumiko just like dips out. She's just like nah, and just out, cl- yeah. climbs out the window, and she's gone. Like, and I love how she's talking about where she's been. The old lady is too. She's like, she's like, I have, I've been to, uh, I've been, I've been to, to the uh, Philippines. I've been, Philippines. To- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just love I, the the like. She's trying to relate in some way that she can, and it's it's, it's innocent. It's, 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 yeah, it's it's kind of like adorable in a little right. way, but at the same time, it's like you're being very racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. It's it's innocent, but it's also like cringy as hell. Like it, yeah, yeah, which makes it real. It makes it yeah, super which makes real. it real and very yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then all, the one of the note I have on her is that uh, she is totally right about paperback versus hardback. <laughs> like paperback is so much easier to manage, and hardbacks are for show offs. Yes, one hundred percent. It's funny though when she says that. It's there's a shot on Kumiko where you can see a bookshelf in the back, and it's filled with hardback books <laughs> i'm not even i'm not even That's kidding i was like yeah. what yeah i used to be like i was raised in like you know get hardbacks but now i'm like 
hardbacks are like they're nice for like books but like if you're like especially i'm getting into buying comic books and stuff i don't want the big hardback because it's so hard to turn through it like paperback is so much easier yeah uh, paperbacks like it may sound silly because it's a book but paperbacks are far more like portable like I feel like a hardback. Oh yeah, book, oh yeah. A hardback like, is like you're t- you're lugging something to look, school. I'm not like, exactly. <laughs> I don't have a backpack. I'm not lugging my textbooks around. Like I can yeah, fold but up. Paperback a, is slim. <laughs> yeah, I can fold it up. I can, you know. Uh, I mean, that sounds horrible. Don't do I, that. <laughs> I can. I mean, like you know, like roll the cover around the back, you know, and just you know, yeah, yeah. Read it comfortably. Right. They probably don't last as long. Like that's a kind of a proven fact, but. I mean, they're so much easier, especially like, again, with comic books, it's so much easier to read them that way because a hardcover, I'm always struggling with the, the, the hardcover. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I and then they, just, then they throw yeah. the slip cover on there and you got something else to take care of. Like, oh yeah, that's a pain. No, thank you. <laughs> We're such millennials. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll just read it on my tablet. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just take it on my computer. Oh my God. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, oh, I thought it was funny that the cop, when he meets her, she he tells her about the guy that shot Paul Bunyan's privates off. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. Like, what the? He was a, ta- a, a uh, anatomically uh-huh. correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's such a perfect Midwestern cop. He is like, um, I small town it, cop. Is that is that done by David Zeller? Zellner, David, the, uh, David, the, yeah, the director. Yeah, he he knocks it out of the park. Um, I love when he first meets her and he pulls up and he and the sirens are going off and she starts running. And he was like, oh, I accidentally hit the button. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's really. That's, I love that also that really he's. Funny. He's very obviously the only cop. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's such a small town guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing is he's trying to understand her and he can't. And the next shot is him pulling up to a Chinese Ooh, restaurant. I loved it's so it. So funny. <laughs> I know. I and then like, of he's course, just the old woman course. trying to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And of course, I love that they didn't that she didn't like of course she doesn't know she no, speaks of course Mandarin. Not. yeah of course yeah. not yeah the 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 woman in the restaurant she's like no nah, i don't speak japanese i speak mandarin and then he's like kumiko you don't need mandarin he's like, he's like <laughs> yeah he's like not even a little japanese and, and <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even he doesn't even say mandarin though he says chinese and that's yeah. like a big misconception is chinese isn't a language it's like <laughs> and then uh, yeah kumiko is like no <laughs> like, no. i don't i speak japanese <laughs> aren't they and then he's like aren't they at least a little similar it's like no like, dude no no <laughs> i mean so good. he's trying like he's I mean, trying so hard he is he just wants to help <laughs> and then um right after that she starts crying and he like fumbles with the napkin dispenser for like so long but that think, was really funny and then that's his, the last one i have recorded though so him there we go to a, um explain uh like the movie's fake or whatever, and she just oh yeah will not un- like I don't. It, it's to be fair, it starts with this is a true story, so I'm sure she's she's like it's a true story, you know. But like she doesn't read English. Yes, yeah, she uh, well yes she does because she she communicates with the deaf driver that she wants to go to Fargo. I I, I think that was I mean I think in my head I thought that that was just like uh, he's not hearing me write down the place I'm going. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, know if I she mean, actually understood like, what was on the uh, dry erase board. I don't know. I'm I'm inclined to believe that she could read because why else would she pursue this treasure that's in a movie? She knows what a movie is. She has a TV. Like, 
I would, I would, she's not, I, I think that lends credence to her being intelligent. I think if she doesn't, if she can't, if she can't at least read, like, like there's a very good chance since she owned the Fargo tape that she paused it and like purchased or borrowed like a, like a translating book. It's possible, but like, able to like, to like find, cause you could do that. Like you could stop on like a page and be like, all right, let me find this word and this word and I'll figure out what it means. I I'm more inclined to believe that because I think it, 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 it makes her smarter. Whereas if you take that away, it makes her real dumb. I think it, I think it definitely would make her smarter, but it also, if that's the case, then like any communication barrier should be, you know, void because if she can read and write in, um, English, then she should have been able yeah, to communicate I'm, throughout see, the entire film. Yeah. I think, I think she's, see, I think what happened, this is my headcanon. All right. I think she went to a library, maybe the same library. Um, and basically somehow she wrote down the translation of the specific words that were in the little, this is a true story blip at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right. Also, actually, I just thought of this. That's a Japanese copy of the film that she has. It probably just has like the translation underneath. Oh uh, yeah, you're yep, def, you're you're probably right. Yeah. So never there we mind. Go. Okay, never just, mind. Yeah. All she has to do is watch it and it tells you her Japanese, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. All right. Did the um, film that she was watching when she popped it in, did it it had subtitles? Did it have subtitles? I don't remember. I, think so, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't really watching the film within the film. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I, think, I think it did. Um, I mean, most of the scenes that she fast forwarded to were the ones that weren't any speaking bits, but I'm pretty sure there was one right. little like one second clip where a subtitle popped up. Yeah, Plus Steve the, Buscemi the says case... like Jesus Christ or something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the um the case and the seed and the disc both have um Yes, Japanese they were Japanese. Lettering. Yes, yeah, yeah. they were. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, when she goes and buys the DVD copy, there's definitely a moment where it shows the disc and you then know that it is Japanese for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and also um, something I thought was interesting is, excuse me, is that um, she she ends up ruining the tape because she's played it so much, the VSH, VHS tape. Plus and it was found that, in a cave buried in the in the dirt yeah so like... that. that's freaking weird uh, but she she um ends up ruining the tv as well because the, the vhs is like directly connected to the tv so she has to go and buy a new tv and like DVD a dvd player. player yeah and the dvd and i think that money was the stuff she was saving up to go to minnesota with so that's why she ended up having to steal her boss's card or whatever and that the moment she steals the card because like it doesn't explicitly say that she does um, he hands her the card to go get a, a gift for his wife for her birthday. And, and she like runs home. Yeah. And then there's just a scene in an airport. That's it. Like, it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Well, you see it, you see her use it later and then eventually it expires at the motel. Right. So, right. Yeah. They, they, he probably officially, uh, reported it stolen and canceled the card. And um, it was like roughly a day later as well. So it makes sense time-wise, like roughly a day, right. roughly a day or two later. Um, he she got it, the so ticket, yeah. made the flight, and then basically her next expense was canceled because um, she didn't have any money other than her company card. Yeah, yeah. and uh, th- that obviously was canceled. Like, why would you leave it on? So, right, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think that makes sense too. Um, Honestly, talking about it now, Dante, I think I think I'm enjoying it a lot more than see. I thought see, I that's did. the thing, though. Okay, so so all right, We're I'm having a good time. 
I want to get into the stuff I didn't like because there those are, are the moments of levity in this yeah. movie. However, this movie takes for freaking ever. Okay, one of my favorite movies is Blade Runner 2049, which is a three-hour long movie. Yeah, I was about to say. This felt way longer than that. Yeah. Way longer. It, it felt does. so long, and it's only an hour 45. And I enjoyed it to a point. There was a point, probably somewhere in Minnesota, because they do take a long time, and I appreciate it in some ways, especially in Japan, because it's showing you the mundanity of her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's... I mean, it's basically exposition without exactly beating you and, over the head with it. Once we get into Minnesota, I feel like there are a lot of scenes that go for way too long. And it's just because it feels the same as the Japanese and it's as the Japanese scenes um, or not Japanese, but the scenes in Japan. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel Japanese like at that scenes. point, the Japanese scenes. Yeah. yeah it the just scenes goes all Japan. anime. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, that's where I slipped into the old woman Midwestern thing. Uh, I was like, what is that? <laughs> anime? Oh, yeah, the Japanese scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the scenes in Japan are there to to for, drive home the, the, the length of those scenes is to, to drive home the mundanity of her life. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. word, but I'm using it. I um, know what you meant. Yeah. And then once we get to Minnesota, I feel like the scene should be a little more quick. We should be getting somewhere, you know? Well, so um, uh, you could take a two ways i i understand what you're saying there um because you know basically she's she's fulfilling her quote-unquote destiny now um so you would think that her perspective on everything would be uh altered or hyper because of her her experience and her getting closer to her goals Mm -hmm. but i think the idea that it's not maybe is like a harsh reality to her like guess what it's also just shitty minnesota like you know what i mean that's true that's true and i can kind of get behind that but at the same time i was bored multiple times right it doesn't make the the hour 45 any crisper that's for sure exactly you know what i mean like like, and i could be making an excuse but like it's yeah. yeah and also there's no reason that this film needs to be an hour 45. Yeah, I don't I, know if Sundance has a that. limit, but like a feature film length is not at an hour 45. Yeah, it's like, I, as long as you, I think it's like an hour 15, an hour and a half or something like that. Like as long as you get past that, you're fine. You didn't need the full 45. Right. And there's a reason I think that it feels like this um, because the writer director duo, the Zellner brothers, they came from a mainly short film background. Mm. And this film very much feels like they took a short film that could have very easily been a short film and been just as good. Yeah. And they dragged it out. Yeah. And that's my I, problem. I think it feels, it could it probably feels... be cut uh, based off of what it accomplishes and what I could probably be an hour long film. Like it. Exactly. I mean? like, like I, I honestly think, there is at least like a half an hour of stuff you could cut down. And that's purely, that's not even taking out any scenes. That's just cutting them down. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that is the biggest flaw is because it's so long between things happening. I did get bored multiple times. And right. I think that's the biggest problem. It, it it really, it really does feel like a short film that's drawn out. Like it almost feels like they ran out of material at some point. And so they're like, we got to pull it out, you know? <laughs> like Exactly. I think it might have something to do. Like, I don't, I can't confirm this, but 
a lot of those moments where you feel like, oh yeah, this could be cut down or like this is dragging, blah, 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 blah. There is quite a lot of moments where the the musical score actually shines a lot. Like, that's I think, true. That's I think true. the music is honestly was my second favorite probably uh, aspect of the film was the well the cinematography I think was uh, well done but I think they linger on shots that are inconsequential and then you, you're just hearing this like this beautiful Drone. like droning um, like synth wave soundtrack that is is I thought it was really cool. Like I, I thought it was really interesting as well. But again, I was kind of over it by Minnesota. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like think a lot that... of the things that's like it's a lot of these things are quite like it's 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 nuance and it's quite fun nuance until you've seen it and then you're bored. Sure. You know what I mean? I get you. I get you. The what's his name? Um, uh, Dominique Prayer is the uh, the uh, musical producer for the film. And uh, he's do- he's got so many credits. Like, um, I'm curious to see. I don't know if I'm going to go out of my way and watch all of these movies he's done. But like, you know, like I am interested in his work now just because I think might honestly be because Minnesota's landscape with the snow and the dead trees and everything just like created an atmosphere really well. that was super sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That's what I'll say. I agree. <laughs> There's um, one crucial scene that I disliked a lot, and okay. I feel like you might relate to this. I'm not a hundred percent. No, um, the Is well, the <laughs> well, the end was kind of like, oh, okay, you did we'll that. Get to the but, end. <laughs> but the 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 crucial scene that um that I thought was like misplaced or like just strange. I I, I don't know. It was it was weird to me. Is when uh the the officer um, has kind of taken her under uh, his wing oh, and, they, this one. and they go uh, thrift shopping. Um, he gets her a coat because she shows up to Minnesota in a fucking hoodie. Didn't do the, yeah, I love, I love that. Didn't she look takes about the blanket. weather. I love <laughs> yeah. that she takes a blanket from the motel and like makes herself a shawl. That's real good. I, um, but like, yeah, he takes her to get a new coat and some new boots so she can, you know, I like, I like that live in the motel. I like I, that. I know what you're building too. But yeah, uh, there's a scene where I don't know what happens and I don't feel like it's uh, integral to the character or that it like makes any sense. But like for some reason, he's tying her shoes and she leans over and kisses him. And it's like, but why did she do that? I I have an idea. Um, I think it's because she got the impression that he was going to help her. um, And to her the biggest help in her life would to be would be to start fitting her societal norms and part of that is getting a husband uh, okay but like I, it's a little stretched um but my bit. biggest problem with that moment is actually that they didn't follow through with it my biggest problem is that they were going in a direction and i think they had built up enough rapport between the two characters that I was like you know she's quite kind of burnt at both ends at this point she could kind of make that jump 
I thought at that point that they were going to go the direction of she ends up getting married and stays in the States and ends up realizing that she doesn't need the treasure because she finds something else and and basically ends up, you know, doing what she was trying to do and failing, you know, trying to find a husband and get a family back in Japan. And she ends up finding it in the U S I thought that was where they were going to go with it. And I liked that a lot more than what they did do. And I was kind of irritated that they had it for no reason. See, I, I like, I, I don't know if I like the, the the way it ends up the ending uh or her the the rounding out her story i'm not no i don't know if i enjoy that but i don't think i would enjoy the idea of her running away from this uh um basically yeah i mean she gets the ticket and runs away from this idea because she she has a way out of those societal norms those that marriage and the yeah, kid yeah. and the and the shitty job and all that stuff like that so she's she's virtually leaving japan she hangs up on her mother several times um signifying like hey i'm i don't like shut up like <laughs> i'm yeah, not yeah. i'm not doing that so to me her backing down on basically her her own choice with her life by I don't know, uh, going after this guy, or if it if it turned out that she had settled down in Minnesota with a guy, it's it just seems like instead of doing, she just bowed down to what everybody had already been telling her. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it's in a yeah. different country, but you know. Yeah. However, um, I think the film that we have still pushes that she was wrong because spoiler alert, she ends up dying at the end. That's absolutely um, what happens. They play yeah. it off kind of cheeky, but yeah, she's dead. <laughs> she's, she is dead in the wilderness because she never found it and she dies in the cold because she's I, not used to the cold and you know she's pursuing a treasure that she never gets. So I think the film's message, I don't know about a message. That's kind of one of my irritations with the film. However, as far as that kind of through line goes, uh, I think the film is already telling us that she was wrong. And so I, I would have liked a happier ending. Gotcha. Does that make sense? I understand that. I think, I think they do it. They do it in a way because, like, she's she obviously dies. Honestly, like, I thought at a certain point I was like, "Oh, dude, they're gonna straight up just have her find the treasure." Like, I was yeah, like, "Well, because I was like, I was like, this was is like, such a bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> this was like such a bizarre uh, concept. concept yeah. But like, the world is so realistic." Uh, that I, at some point I was like, you can't, you can't just throw it in at the end that she finds this treasure. That doesn't, it wouldn't fit the world. But at the same time, I like literally, okay, see, right up to like once she was in the wilderness off by herself. It's like the last like fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, right up to like right before the dog attacks her for a minute. Well, that dog is unnecessary. By the that way. dog is one completely unnecessary. He <laughs> takes her DVD. It's like you don't need the DVD at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, you got the map, it? right? It would have been way more, you know, impactful if he took the map. But like, I don't know why that dog's there. And also, the dog is like fairly well kept for being a a, a stray dog but, or something. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, right up to about that point, or like even a little before that, I was like, I I had accidentally moved my mouse, so I saw how much was left on this movie, oh, and yeah. I was like, I don't. They can't they can't wrap this up satisfyingly with the amount of time they have left. And honestly, they didn't for me. I quite 
hated the the ending. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was kind of it felt cheap. It felt like kind of like you were said, like it felt like so a movie I quite like. Sorry, I'm gonna go I'm gonna for it. Yeah, give an example of, of a version of this that I quite like. Uh, I quite like the film The Giver, um, and I read the book before I, I, watched I read the, the movie. book, but I, I never saw the film. I quite like the book, um, and then I I watched the movie as well. And because I'm kind of a more visual person, I like the movie a lot better. But I think that's because the movie does the things that the book sets up anyway. Uh, like it's a it's supposed to be. It starts off and it's like a utopia. Um, but everything's in black and white and your emotions aren't really there as much. It's kind of all, the world is kind of black and white. I really want to talk about The Giver at some point, by the way. We need to get there at some point. But I I skipped the movie because I was like, ah, people just cashing in teen novels like Harry Potter. and (laughs) Yeah, well, this this is one case where I was like, they actually did this quite artfully and and well. Um, I really liked it. But then uh, slowly color creeps back in and he's, you know, you know. Anyway, and you realize it's kind of a dystopia. It's a really cool novel. Um, Spoiler alert for the ending. Skip ahead a couple minutes or so. The the end is ambiguous because the main character ends up escaping the The sled utopia turned dystopia. And he goes on a sled and he ends up finding a house outside of like the cliff side that, that holds this utopia. However, it's, it's left. It's supposed to be left ambiguous as to whether or not he lived and actually found the the house. house. Exactly. Well, it's, it's ambiguous as to whether or not the house is actually there or if it's just him kind of hallucinating. Um, But and and the film does that very well as well. Um, and I like that as an ending for that story because the yeah. story earned it. This film tries to do that as well because she ends up falling in the snow and then in during a storm, she wakes up and it's crystal clear. Um, and then she goes and finds the fence and she gets the treasure. And we're like, we're not quite sure if this is the same, if this is her or not. And then we see Bunzo. And she's like, come on, Bunzo. And then and immediately you're like, this isn't real. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because, like, like they threw away any semblance of this could be real because Bunzo's there. And we know yeah. Bunzo got left on the train. And it's like you tried for something. And then it's like this fake happy ending that made me feel almost worse than if they had just left it where she died. You, you think, know what I mean? Do you think well, it's you, almost. Sorry, go ahead. Go I was going to say, do you think you'd um, you'd feel better about the ambiguous ending if bunzo wasn't there with her i i think i would honestly and that's yeah. purely because it's actually ambiguous right in this case Whereas this is, i this immediately is well yeah. i on, honestly like when when she when the snow when she's covered in snow there's a big pile and the, there's like a, a really slow zoom on this pile of snow and then she just sits up out of it like the storm has passed or whatever and yeah it, if you notice in that one scene where she looks up and from that that last scene in the movie when she finally finds the treasure and finds Bunzo, all of the color in her face is back. There's yeah, yeah, she's, she's not got, like, blue. Makeup on or whatever. She's not like it. It looks like she has just walked into Minnesota. Like exactly. She yeah, and I, I did notice that a little bit. And yeah, yeah. So I think honestly though, if Bunzo hadn't showed up. I would have been more into it because it would have actually been an ambiguous ending. And I'm all for ambiguous endings. I think yeah. it's a great way to kind of be like, you know, to, to, to uh, make your audience at least feel smart, <laughs> you know, yeah. like well, let I... them kind of figure it out on their own and make up their own decision on it. But when they very clearly throw out the ambiguous ending, it's like, 
well is this like her going to heaven like i don't know what this is anymore and it's it's it felt it felt more wrenching because if you leave it ambiguous there's a there's a little bit of hope as to whether or not right. she actually lived or not whereas if you do this it's like oh she she's dead and this is like her dying like vision or whatever right there's there's no ambiguity Am, ambiguity i can't even say the ambiguity. word ambiguity 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 thank you there we go <laughs> uh there's no ambiguity to it because of bunzo there it's just like yeah well she's dead like they yeah they and play it, 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 off it like made her. my they it, play it, it made like my like why or like they're clever or like yeah and they it, it made you it, or you don't know but it's it's you, you know she's dead yeah exactly and it made me sad that's the main thing it's like i had hope up to that point that like this character that i had grown to appreciate and feel for in this film that she could make it out somehow you know okay. and then it just kind of threw all that away and i'm like well you could have oh, i very easily done it a lot tastefullier. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to a film ending bleak. I'm not opposed to yeah, our hero I'm... losing or a a journey ending in disappointment. I don't I think that's I think yeah, that's and I think fair, that's honestly but I, I think that I would honestly be Sorry, more I'd I'd be more interested in the film and like the film more, I think, if they just like if it just ended when she passed out in the snow. Like if they didn't have exactly like if, exactly if and she was just of, a frozen corpse on the ground yeah, at the end of the film, I'd be like, cool, I get that's it. My that's kind of my opinion as well. Is like I think you you could have, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you there were there were two options if you wanted Which to. I guess they ending. did, but it's like, but they do they do the amb, uh, ambiguity at the end so like carelessly. It feels half heartedly. Like. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, okay, so. I actually want to get into this because I looked up the real Kumiko story. So basically the Zellners discovered this story because it actually is a true story, sort of in that uh, there was a Japanese woman who did die in the frozen wastelands of Minnesota. And there was an urban legend that it was because she was hunting for the treasure of Fargo. Uh, And the Zellners thought that was an interesting concept and there wasn't really much there wasn't really much information out there about it. So they were like, we could totally take this and build a fictional story upon it. And that would be really interesting. Um, so they started developing the film and then uh, the information came out that the urban legend was false. She just, ah. she died out there, but she wasn't looking for the treasure from Fargo, but they decided to keep going with it to be like, you know, this is a, a fake interpretation of, of something that we barely knew anything about. You know, this is yeah. just us building off. It's like, it's, it's almost like, they took they got a prompt from the internet and they decided to build off of it you know well, it's like um i mean it's it's almost i i don't know if it's actually that i mean but like in the beginning they say the they highlight the fargo intro with this is a true, this story. Is a true story yeah so like they they really play into that idea which fargo is not a true story they just tell you that Oh, because I was going to ask. I haven't seen Fargo. Is that at the beginning of Fargo? It is. It is at the beginning of Fargo, and Fargo is a completely made-up film. Okay. And it it, it has nothing... It's it's not based in reality, but it could be based off of, you know, a a heist gone wrong or, like, a certain scenario. But it it is straight-up just written by the Coen brothers. Yeah. So, like, it it almost plays into the more of, like... 
this same like playful, you know, this is a true story thing, blah, 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 blah. Turning out, finding out that it's actually related to an actual woman who froze to death is kind of interesting. Like that's Yeah, but I think the problem there is I think what happened is they wanted their ambiguous hopeful ending, but then the story said that she died. Right. And so they had to include both. And I think that's the mistake. I think you're already adding so much fiction to the story. Why not have it be ambiguous anyway? You know, or if you want to go full, she died, just do it it with her falling in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really strange. And then it's also like, yeah, I think that's, I think either of those would have been a better option. And I feel like they wanted both. They wanted to have their cake and eat it too. And because of that, they got a weird ending that felt wrong on both accounts you know yeah i think i i may agree i think it could either be it just it either needs to be she needs we i mean she needs to die without that ending or alter the ending so it's more you know uncertain like so i don't know exactly yeah yeah. that's it like and you've got it you got to choose one and i feel like they they wanted both they wanted to have their happy ending but also be true to, to the, have the their cake that they and got have their cake and eat it too exactly yeah. yeah so i think that's the big problem one more thing i want to say about this film and you can say any other things you want to say but um the beginning is really freaking weird and it doesn't tie into the rest of the film at all and it really pissed me off at the end i was like Wait. why oh. did you start with this <laughs> oh oh when she's on the beach and she wanders into the cave and finds fargo is that what you're talking about yeah and like it's and also like the beginning of the film is in like wheat fields and stuff. And like, it starts in a wheat field and then it looks over like rocks and the beach. And then it goes onto the beach and she's walking and she goes into this very like strangely man-made cave. And she finds a copy a really wet copy VHS copy of Fargo. Yeah. And we're assuming it's Fargo. Cause it's never, it, we don't see it. It's just a VHS tape. That's real wet. Like right. what was um... that? If I'm not mistaken, I still have it rented here. I'm going to try to get to the point that I was trying to bring up. Where is it? Okay, so yeah, she's walking on the beach. Water, 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 water. She's in her classic red hoodie. Um, but well, that if was I'm, real good. I'm not mistaken, she already has a map. Oh, yeah, she has a map. Yeah, she has a she's map to brilliant. the copy of Fargo. Isn't that what awesome? Is that? I she she must have been on another wild goose chase for some treasure she thought was there, and and it it, it just it leads her to a VHS copy of freaking Fargo. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> which what takes is her to this? Minnesota. It's nuts. Okay, so I forgot about the map. To be honest, but, I love okay. that. All right, this is actually if we're led to, if we believe that that's true. I'm looking at it right now. Ending. She definitely has a map stitched like the fargo map no but i more mean like if we if we believe this to be reality and not another fantasy thing like the end yeah um then this is lending more credence to her being indiana (laughs) jones-ish i was gonna say because after while i was watching the film i was like this isn't very indiana (laughs) jones-esque like (laughs) yeah yeah okay we'll we'll get into that but i want to i want to make sure we we finish talking about the film is there anything else you want to talk about or is it that i just think that the the introduction with her with a map already is um, super, super cool. Yes, but it's also weird. It's such a real of course world. It is. Then, like, it's such a real world that, like, why would she have a map to a 
VHS of Fargo in a very man-made cave. That cave is like square. Like, I, al- I also don't think that she knew it was going to be Fargo. I don't or, think she knew what it or, was. But, or that like, anything was going to be there somebody... in the first place. Yeah, like what person put the VHS tape copy of Fargo there and also made some sort of way for somebody to find it and find a map to, to it? What they need to do is release a prequel about yes! some, someone making a movie and and then in the in the movie in the movie it somebody ends up burying a copy of Fargo in a cave. <laughs> so yeah, that so way that you know movie. Kumiko watched that movie which said holy shit there's something buried in this cave found a copy of Fargo letter to Minnesota. That's yeah. That's because like it do. it seems to be leading on that there's a lot more to her treasure hunting than just the one. Right. <laughs> it's real strange. Yeah. Um all right, anything else you want to say about that? I think I I think I'm good. I'm, I'm Okay. Let me go. Uh let's let's uh, do you want to give it a rating? Yeah, um, let's, let's rank it within our uh blah blah blah. Well, well I was we're going to do that in a second, but uh, just a ra- a rating on its own. Oh. Uh bleh. I don't I know. gave it I gave I'm it 3 out of things. 10. 3? I might it's jump it up that but bad. I was really disappointed at the beginning. I'm going to edit it and I'm going to give it a 4. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I think I'd give it closer to like a 6. I'd like okay. you know, like I don't know. But like like it's... see like for me 5 is meh and anything below 5 is is something I didn't enjoy and to be honest Kumiko is a film that I did not enjoy like i ended it and i was irritated for the reasons that i said before and to be fair looking back i did enjoy quite a few bits of it but it's not a film that i'm ever going to want to rewatch, and i think that's also part of it so the uh what's the percentage for a c i don't know okay I, three uh, <laughs> uh, no it's, a, it's probably c is probably like a five or a six i, I give it a c c yeah fine yeah i think it's fine yeah. I think it's fine. And I think it has a lot of like technical things that are cool, but I think it just, it made a lot of major downfalls for me. But yeah, see, yeah. I, I think like a C is that it's that, that crystal part where it's like, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. The ideas were there. Uh, there's a couple things I'd change a D on the other hand. is like, uh, you guys, I mean, yeah, I'm a D and you're a C. There we go. Yeah. Step it go. up. Yeah. And then F is like, boy, what are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> F is Charles Swan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charles has Charles Swan had like two redeeming qualities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So before we get into ranking it in amongst our Indiana Jones esque r- things, I wanted to bring up two things. Uh, one, I think we should make a a, a couple a, like a couple things that we rank each of these off of that are like staples of the Indiana Jones series. Gotcha. Okay. Um, like what makes an Indiana Jones esque film? Oh. Uh, so I'm going to make a uh, a little list here. It's oh. going to be Indiana Jones-esque film qualities. <laughs> and then I'm going to make a bullet point. So I think one of them is uh, it has to be a treasure that you actually hunt. So there has to be a treasure. Sure. And there physical, also has to be physical treasure. Physical a physical item. treasure. A physical treasure that the protagonist actively hunts for because i don't think a indiana jones-esque film could be one where the protagonist stumbles upon the treasure it has to be preemptive and like you're hunting for it right that's that's a good idea well because i think i think one of the big things with indiana jones 
the Indiana Jones series is that with each of these things, one of my we all mentioned that one of our favorite things is that he is you know finding clues and pursuing it. He doesn't right. stumble yeah, yeah. upon any of them. Mm-hmm. So except one, and that one's actually lower because I think. Personally, I think that my ranking of the Indiana Jones films is different than my ranking of those same films within the Indiana Jones-esque list. Does that make sense? Oh. Because I think Temple of Doom is not very Indiana Jones-esque. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. I think, yeah. I mean, based off of our, you know, so are you, are you saying that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is more Indiana Jonesy than Temple of Doom? I do because huh. in, in Temple of Doom he stumbles upon the treasure. It's complete um, accident. It is complete accident, and he's uh, along for the ride at that point. Yeah, he doesn't. He's along for the ride, and he doesn't do any searching for the treasure. And I think that's a major uh, boot against it. Um, and I think because of that, in Kingdom, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, sure is bad, and that's why it's at the bottom of the other three. But uh, it is he is pursuing the treasure. So right. well, okay, yeah. what, what, real quick, we got to go over what are the other. T- like what other qualities? Does yeah, so I was gonna say, yeah, what other qualities do they have? Um, I don't know. That's the main one I wanted to put <laughs> out there. Okay, so um, there's obviously, um, I mean, this is uh, superficial, but there's levels of action. There's yeah, action, say, action adventure. Um, you can't, you can't have an Indiana Jones film without throwing some punches. Yeah, so though. let's let's say, uh, let's say it must be fun action adventure. Right, yeah. Yeah. And that that's I mean, I think that's vague enough that it can incorporate some of the films that aren't in the Indiana Jones series. You know, like we uh, exactly we'll get yeah. to like, you know, fucking Sahara or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that list, right, that uh, little thing right there is something that Kumiko fails at. Does um, it does have the physical aspect of the treasure that she's she is pursuing a, a, a physical treasure that might not be there, but it's still a physical treasure. Right. And she is actively pursuing it. She do, she's a, does a very good job of hunting it down. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is, there is no fun action, action adventure. And so it's I think true. it does fall behind in that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? I think Zach would put forward that Indiana Jones get, gets beaten up a lot, but I don't think that's a... I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't it's like integral to... I don't think it's integral to Indiana Jones. Like, Indiana Jones could go through a movie not getting beat up as much as he gets he beats people up but like yeah i mean in kingdom of the crystal skull he doesn't get beat up that much it's mostly he's just held captive <laughs> he beats others up a lot but he doesn't get area himself because he's an ancient fragile fragile man <laughs> uh what else does it uh entail um i don't think there's much else to be honest but honestly it pretty much t- t- sums it all up yeah i mean i mean Dunk, we could be the, more the specific one, on these two categories yeah. but like the first one encompasses like three it encompasses like physical treasure and actively hunting like that's like three things in and of in one so true yeah and then like fun action is like two separate things so i think you know we could split these up but i think that's pretty good um so now that we have that Mm. i want to go back to creepy crawlies every indiana jones has to have one scene with creepy crawlies I feel like that like every other film is gonna fail at that though. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I being do serious it, but... about it. <laughs> okay. It is a staple of the Indiana Jones. It is Jones a staple films, of the series. I don't know. But, it's not yeah. Indiana Jones esque. Um but now now that we have those qualifiers, um, I wanna go back to our Indiana Jones ranking because I think it's different. But, Knowing those I think it's categories? different. Yeah, I think it's different ranking the Indiana Jones films as films than it is ranking them as Indiana Jones esque films. Oh. Um, so can I tell you how I ranked them? 
I think I know. Okay. Wait, Indiana Jones esque. That's what. That's that's the one I'm. How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess. So, um, so one more thing ooh, I would say ooh. is that I'm 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 torn on three because like it's a physical. Yeah, it's a physical item. Um, because he's going for the Grail. I was thinking of the book the whole time, and I was like, does that oh, count yeah. as like an <laughs> artifact? <laughs> like, yeah, no. I mean, the book is ancient. But uh, the other thing I was gonna say is that if one of these films hits all the beats of the Indiana Jones films, but also like is a good film that just is, 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 is icing on top of the cake. And that's kind of that, right. That rises it above just a generic Indiana Jones esque film. Does that make sense? Okay. So So, should an Indiana Jones film, uh, Indiana Jones esque film also like if it is Indiana Jones esque, does it being good, qualify as a quality of indiana jones films well i was gonna say i think that brings it above or below others on the list and i'll give an example here so my one and two in order on my indiana jones-esque list are holy grail uh, or or last crusade and raiders one and two the reason holy uh i keep saying holy grail the reason the last crusade is higher in my opinion is because i think think it's a better last crusade well, yeah, I think Last Crusade and Raiders of the Lost Ark both hit all the beats of an Indiana Jones film. Mm. All of they meet all the qualifiers that we that we gave earlier. Um, but I think Crusade is a better film because it adds character development for Indy and it adds in a, another character with his father. Um, sure. and, and in essence, it has two Indiana Joneses. It has his father and him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and both of them get character growth. And so because of that, I think it's a better film. So because of that, I've ranked it above Raiders. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm on board. And then obviously below the below both of those is Crystal Skull because Crystal Skull hits all the beats, but it's a bad movie. So, you gotcha. Know. But so Temple of Doom, even though it's a better film than Crystal Skull, I think we both agree on that, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's it misses down. the beat of Indiana yeah. Jones esque. Okay, I understand. There you go. So so right now I'll give you my list. Right now I have one, two, three, uh Crusade, Raiders, Skull, and then at four I've got Kumiko. And then at five I've got Temple. Because I think Kumiko hits the uh hits the hits the first beat, which Temple misses, but then uh Kumiko misses the second and Temple has the first. But I think or t- Temple has the second, but I think Temple. You think, think Kumiko is yeah, a better film than Temple? No, I'm saying I think Kumiko has the treasure hunting yeah. aspect, and I think that's a more important aspect than the fun uh, adventure. I see. I see. I thought you were just using it as like point system. Um, oh yeah, there you go. Okay. So, um. So for me, that's my I, rationale. I guess I, I'm gonna measure since it's a fifty-fifty on the points. Um for indie-esque films i'm gonna measure them the same i think that's fair um um, so indie-esque my list would probably be uh raiders then crusade they both hit all the beats i just enjoy raiders more three would i guess it would be crystal skull since it it hits all the beats (laughs) um and then temple and then kumiko i okay I just I would rather watch both too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I think I, I'm trying to come at this like purely Indiana Jones askness as much as possible. And I think to me, having the treasure hunting is more important than the adventure. But the adventure is way more fun to enjoy to, yeah. to watch. Oh, so, the adventure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so it's it, you know personal personal preference there. Um. All right. So now we've got that other way. 
Um, I think we've we've ranked Kumiko in there. Um, and I think that's a good way to keep going about this. So there you go. I'm not sure where Zach will. I don't, I don't think Zach has watched it. Uh, I don't know if he will. Um, gotcha. um, I think I, depending on the mood he was in when he watched it, I think he could have had two very strong opinions. He would have. I think I think he would have either strongly been like, it's good. It's fine. Or he would have strongly been like, I hated this and was bored the whole time. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, where do you rank it just in a general, all the Indiana Jones films and this film? Not based off their like Indiana quality. Jones-ness, but quality. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I think it's still below Skull, because I'd rather watch Skull before this, really. Yeah, I think definitely definitely again. I think it's just more fun. It, it, if I had if if I'd seen Crystal Skull and I hadn't seen Kumiko and someone's like, which one you want to watch? I'd be like, Kumiko. Let's see what mm-hmm. that's about. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. now I'm like, I don't know if I want to sit for that two hour ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not even two hours, but it feels like six. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Which doesn't mean it's yeah, worse. Right. It's uh, you know what I mean. Uh, it's a good movie. It's just not the best. Okay, like exactly. Guys, yeah. go and, watch and, it. And, Please tell us that. Tell me that I'm not wrong. Yeah, and and I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I think it's just it's there are a lot of more films that are a lot more enjoyable to watch. Um, but it, Kumiko has a lot of craft that is enjoyable to watch. So definitely, definitely. There you go. Yeah. All right. Um, are you ready to move on to the best part of the show? Yep. Let's find out what we're watching next, baby. All right. So I am going to roll a. I, I rolled incorrectly last time. I apologize. I had Zach roll oh. a D four, but since there's forty, there's forty plus options. I need to roll a D six because. I need to have five options because zero is an option. So there's that. So this is complicated, but basically I'm going to roll one through five. Uh, One through four is one, two, three, and four. And then five is zero. And if I get a six, I'm just going to re-roll. So there you go. Um, And Garrett, you're going to roll a D10 for the second number for one through zero. So you gotcha. All right. I'll roll first. Go ahead. And I got four. Oh boy. Oh, Oh, no. I don't like that old boy. Um, um garrett if you want you could flip a coin there's only two options here so uh, do i have a coin handy Let's or see. even just an option of just one and two i got it i got it i'm flipping the coin okay now. so you need to assign you need to assign one zero and one one so this is, heads is one um and tails no wait heads is zero tails is one okay heads is zero tails is one go i almost dropped it okay here's the reveal it is zero. What's 40? Uh, 40 is Treasure Buddies. <laughs> what so, the hell you got me watching, Dante? So uh, <laughs> the Air Bud series has no! a sequel series called the Air Buddies series. And the Air Buddies series has a Indiana Jones-esque film called Treasure Buddies. My God. And supposedly it's the worst film ever. So that, here we go. That cover. <laughs> oh boy all right so oh my god there's an indiana jones golden retriever right up front with that the monkey from raiders right on top of him like <laughs> all right whew. we're gonna see that all right yay um, look forward to that next week guys <laughs> see ya then <laughs> la, 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 la. this is the end <laughs> nice <laughs>